Hi, I'm Monica Rowski, and I'm listening to Culture Matters. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hi there, this is the Culture Matters Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. We are on episode 120. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, this is the perfect moment to do so. And if you want to leave a review while you're there, I'd really appreciate that as well. Okay, who's the guest today? Today's guest is Monica Irowski. Monica Irowski is vice president and co-founder of Yampu Tours. She and her team arrange customized tours around the world with a focus on authentic experiences. And she's been doing this for the last 20 years, loves to talk travel as well. And that's what we're doing in this episode. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Monica, good morning or good evening or good afternoon or maybe good night even as well. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning. Ah, it's a good morning there. Okay, it's a good afternoon here. Recording time is, at this moment when we're recording, it's 16.38 and we're on a 24-hour uh, clock, which makes it 4.38 uh, p.m. in the afternoon where I am. You say good morning. You must be somewhere else in the world. So why don't you take this opportunity and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, where are you now, and what would you consider being your cultural frame of reference? Okay, I'm Monica Rowski. I am in Los Angeles, California. I run a travel company called Yampu Tours. For the last 21 years, my husband and I have been sending travelers all over the world. Um, culture matters a lot to us. One of the things that I always try to make sure that everyone does, if they're going to Peru to see Machu Picchu, I want them to come home saying, I love the people. Hmm. Yeah. Machu Picchu is Peru, correct? Yes, correct. All right, and you're currently in Los Angeles. I thought actually you were in New York. Why did I think that? Well, um, we were in New York. When we <laughs> first started the company, we started in New York. Ah, okay. Um, and New York is my city. That's the city that I most connect with in the world. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I can live in LA. I could live in New York as well. Depending, I mean, the winters are not so nice in, uh, in New York City, at least. Um, yeah. New York is easy to travel from, though. That's you true. Can get, if you don't like the weather, you can get out of there in just a couple of hours. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Three and a half hours and you're in Miami, so that's good to do. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Monica, you have a very interesting last name, uh, Irowski, I would say. I And I was thinking about, I could not place this. It, um, I, I know before recording, you told me where, it's come, where it comes from, but I would have never placed it there. So elaborate a little bit on how... What your last name is, it's spelled I-R-A-U-Z as in Zulu, Q as in Quebec, U-I, Irowski. Uh, where does this come from? This last name is a Basque last name. My husband is from Peru, and uh, many people from Peru have European origins. 
So um, ours is Basque, and um, we are the only Irowskis mm. in the world. I think they might have shortened it when they went to Peru. Okay, and so Basque, and and like, and you're referring to the the region in Spain, the Basque region in Spain. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And which yeah. is ever, which is actually a, a shared region. Um, and what are we talking about? The Gulf of Biscay, the south of France, the southwest of France, so not the Mediterranean side, and the the north, right next to the Pyrenees in Spain. That area is, is jointly called Basque Country. Although I think the uh, the Spanish side, south of the Pyrenees, identify much more with being Basque than the French side uh, do. Is that correct? You know, I, I'm not an expert on the Basque um, area. We've we've visited Bilbao. Um, we've been to Spain many times. Mm-hmm. When you're in Spain, um, people will know your name is Basque, and they'll ask you about it. And um, it's always a good story, <laughs> um, you know, that we're from Peru, but we have this Basque last name um, that we don't um, quite know all the origins and history of. Right. And you say it's, it's, it's the side of your husband that uh, carries his name. Yes, my husband's grandfather. Oh, okay. So, he, but he is never met. He never met him. So, okay. But so he's not Peruvian. Your da- your your dad. Your your husband is not not Peruvian. He is. He's from Peru. Uh-huh. His grandfather um, was Basque, who came to Peru. Right from the Basque country. Um, so, my husband is Peruvian. His mother's Peruvian. His father is Peruvian. Um, but. All the Peruvians from Lima, most of them have some uh, or a lot of European heritage. Mm. Just like in America, um, we wouldn't call ourselves um, Scandinavian, even though I have blonde hair, blue eyes. Yes. You know? Um, because I'm American, I, 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 my family's many generations here. Um, so it's the same for the Peruvians. They're Peruvian. They grew up there. Um, husband actually, um, went to high school in Europe. Mm -hmm. He went to high school in Switzerland. Um, so he does have more of a European accent than most Peruvians. (laughs) Um, but they are, they cook the Peruvian food. Um, and Peru is a great melting pot of Mm -hmm. cultures. Peru has uh, the Spanish, um, they have uh, the French, they have um, Chinese, Japanese, African. Um, so that's one of the reasons why the food is so good in Peru, mm. because of all these different ethnicities that have gone, that migrated to Peru over the years, um, have have brought in different kinds of cooking and different kinds of recipes. And then you mix that with the food that's grown in Peru. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. So we definitely connect to the Peruvian side, even though our last name is a Basque last name. Right. Okay. Um, but it was fun going to the Basque region and visiting Bilbao. And we were with some Spanish friends and that brought a lot of color to mm-hmm. the visit because, um, the Spanish and the Basque, there's a, a long, long, complicated history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, and I need to, I need to learn more about that, that history, um, seeing that that's such an important part of our family name. I can imagine. It's a wonderful area, by the way, the Basque area, the Bilbao area. Oh, um, the food is delicious. You know me, I'm always talking about food. <laughs> seafood is delicious. Yeah. Yeah. What? Maybe 
What's that cheap joke they, again? You're, you're on a diet? You're on a seafood diet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a seafood diet. Yeah. They can cook fish with like three ingredients and it tastes like it's so delicious i can't do that here in the u.s that's true that's true um i think uh, like I, I've, i've written down three typical things that i think come from uh, uh peru not only but are available in peru as well uh, the first time i was there which was years ago it was, i went to lima and i was i was actually a, a colleague of mine there a local peruvian colleague introduced me to the pisco sour And oh yeah, and you're familiar. I, yeah, I guess you're familiar with the pisco sour. The 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 the, the pisco is the alcohol, and the sour is uh, is the the lime drinks. And I think they even they shake uh, an egg white through it as well. And the funny thing is, every time I mention a pisco sour, my mouth starts to water as it does right now. Um, so it's a it's a it's a nice drink. And if you have if you have three of them, the world looks very happy. I think. Oh, the Pisco is Pisco is very strong. It's one of the strongest liquors you can buy. And they do. It's a very simple recipe of lime juice. I use agave in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, ice. So you put the ice in first yep. and the egg whites. Yeah. Uh, and then you shake that around in the blender and you add the lime and the uh, sugar or, or I like agave because it's already liquid. Mm-hmm. It, it mixes really well. Um, and then, um, you add the Pisco and you shake it around in the blender and that it will come out with this beautiful foam on top yep. and you put a few little drops of bitters on the top and it, I can't do, if I do three, I'm, I'm, I have to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Pisco is from a town in Peru, um, called Pisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was an interesting um, fight over Pisco with the Chileans because the Chileans are better business people than the Peruvians, okay. and they uh, they they copyrighted it. So even though Pisco is from Peru and from the town of Pisco, um, there was a, a big argument about it with the two countries. So, so what does that mean? The, the Chileans cop copyright? The, how can you copyright yeah, a drink? They, I, they just, I don't know, they legally said this is our drink and they went and registered it mm-hmm. and they said it's our drink and um, it was a big court case. I think Peru won, but actually I, I can't remember for sure. Mm. Um, but it's just interesting how um, they had, you know, that there was an argument over when there is a town in Peru called uh, Pisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to patent scrambled eggs from now on. I mean, if if you can, <laughs> that would be silly, no? Um, I think another, yeah. I'm, I'd like to talk about your business in a moment as well, but there are two, there are two questions I'd like to ask you. Ceviche, uh, you heard of that as well, I guess? Yeah, ceviche. Is that is that something that you, I mean, what ceviche is, in my, in, in, in my understanding, it is uh, white fish. I, yes. I'm not sure if it's a particular fi- fish. It's white fish, which is uh, cooked, I'm making air quotes, in lime juice. So it's not really cooked in terms of high temperature, but it's cooked in lime juice. And you could add, uh, I think the Guatemaltecas, they add like tomato um, to it as well um, and some some spices as well. Is that how you would make it? No, in Peru, it's different. So uh-huh. you're talking more like Mexican ceviche. Okay. Peru... Um, they're very, they're very, uh, what's the word? Um, they're, they're very particular about their ceviche in Peru. Uh-huh. So it's, it's simply the white fish. Yeah. Some very thinly, like paper thinly sliced red onions. Yeah. 
uh, the lime from Peru, which is stronger than the limes we have here, so mm -hmm. it cooks very fast. I mean, cook, um, cook is not really cooking, right? I mean, it's it's the, it's the acid they, that that cooks it. They call it cooking, but it's it's yes, you're right. It's only it's not cooked on fire. It's only uh, soaked in the lime. Yeah. Um, and you'll see it change color. You'll see it go from clear yeah. as a raw fish is into to a white. Yes. And um, so it's in the lime, and then there's a special pepper that you can only get in Peru, which is the key to all the Peruvian food, it, which is the aji amarillo. And it's this beautiful orange pepper. It's not spicy like a habanero. Uh -huh. uh, uh, it's a little spicy, but it's more flavorful than spicy. Mm. And it's this very, very simple. And the real way... To eat ceviche in Lima mm -hmm. is to only have it for lunch. So, so a real mm. uh, fine restaurant usually wouldn't serve ceviche for dinner, right? Uh, unless it's just something that the, the tourists are, you know, having them do. Um, but all the Limanians, um, the people from Lima, uh -huh. um, are eating their ceviche only at lunch. Okay, cool. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I could eat it for breakfast as well. I love it. It's because yeah. um, it, I mean it's so nice. It's it's a it's a nice spicy taste. Spicy in terms of of the the bite it has because of the lime etc. Uh, high in protein, low in carbs etc. Anyway, that's a different topic. The last question, um, last food question, Monica. If I can ask that real quickly, michelada. Do you know what that is? Michelada, no. Okay, so that must be more Mexican then. Uh, I was curious if indeed if the Peruvian would know, would know this as well. A michelada is something uh, I think it's Mexican, but they do it. They do make it in Guatemala as well. And what it is is is, um, and I come from a beer drinking country. I mean, I'm I am based ah. in Belgium, and there is there's there's beer like there's no tomorrow here. But every time I suggest try my michelada, they say nah, it looks horrible. So what it is? It's a beer. So it's just an ordinary beer, like you would have a, a Budweiser, for instance. You squeeze yeah. you squeeze one lime in that. You put some salt in that. You can put some spice if you want, Tabasco, for instance. And then you you do a good a good squeeze of um, uh, Worcester sauce or salsa inglesa, they call it in uh, in Spain. And that gives it a, a, a spicy bite, if you want. It it makes it go brownish. Um, and, that, and the Belgians here, they look at it with horror. Like, how can you, how can you destroy a beer like this? But it, I mean, trust me, when it's hot, hot weather outside, there's nothing better than a, than a ceviche with a, with a michelada. Oh, that's interesting. I've never tried that. Um, in Peru, they have chicha. Ah, okay. And what and is that? It, it's made from corn. Mm -hmm. And it's red. So I think it has some fruit in it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's not it's, it's 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 like a liquor, it's not a beer. Chicha is a, yeah, it's an alcoholic uh beverage. Okay. All right, good. Well, oh, okay. Well, we've, we've cleared that up at least. It, it, maybe it doesn't go as um as far south as uh, as Peru indeed, the michelada. Anyway, this is not a cooking program. This is uh, basically a the Culture Matters podcast where we have Monica Irowski um as the guest for this week. The name of your company is called Yampu Tour, uh, Tours, Y-A-M-P-U. Also an unusual name. Where did that come from? So um, the people who live in the Andes of Peru, the, um, the, they have their different cultures, but there's the Quechua mm -hmm. um, that live in the Andes. 
And um, originally, we had named our company Contiki mm-hmm. after the Thor Hedradial, um raft that was built in Lake Titicaca mm-hmm. that did, uh, and there was a boat, a book about it, um, where they did an expedition between Peru and Easter Island to prove that these people were related. Yeah. And the boat was made of this, uh, it's, it's like straw, it's called reed. And it grows in Lake Titicaca, and um, they actually have uh, islands made of this stuff. Mm-hmm. They have boats made of this stuff. It's called reed. And, and the boat, uh, the Quechua name for this boat is uh, Yampu. Okay. So that's where the name came from. Oh, okay. And because it... we, we originally uh, had named ourselves Contiki, but then people were getting us confused. There was a young people um, tour company out of England named Contiki, and that was a completely different uh, group, um, t- different way of traveling than what we do. Um, so it was making some confusion in the travel industry. So we changed our name to Yampu to be more unique. Okay. Um, but we wanted to keep with the the expedition theme, um, and the and the Yampu um, was like a, a really nice nice choice to keep with that theme. Yeah, sounds. I mean, explaining it like this and and having you ex- um, pronounce it also makes more sense to me. I mean, at this moment, um, because it, for me, it like I was thinking this would be a, a distant name. Um, uh, for people to remember, uh, but uh, but it makes sense if it if it has a context around it. What kind of clients do you usually work with then? So we we work with people who are very well traveled, but want some help with logistics. Um, the busy people who don't have time to vet everything. Um, we want we work with people who want uh, really nice experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they let us customize it. They usually have a lot of input. Um, we don't ha- we don't try to put them in our cookie cutter tours. We try to develop the tour around them uh-huh. and what they like to do and how they like to travel. Um, and uh, and then one of my rules for the company is that everyone I want everyone to experience the culture. Um, in a in a way that is unique for their their budget and taste. Um, so, you know, um, it might be just a, something as simple as going down to the the market where the locals, cook, you know, are buying their food and tasting some some fruits from the Amazon, or it might be going to spend a day in a remote Andean village with a family mm. and getting to know how they farm and how they how they live. Uh, how they cook, um, you know, uh, t- having tea together, um, you know, participating in some of the their daily routines. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's that's so our clients like that, and they also like the fact that um, you know we just we're just there for them every step of the way. Um, you know, sometimes it's really boring stuff, you know, rerouting flights that get canceled. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the deal, yeah. Yeah, but they don't have to take time from their day to go to their hotel room and log in and get the Wi-Fi and, you know, be stressed. You know, all that, we're in the background doing Mm. all that, making sure everything is flowing um, perfectly for their trip. And then, because there's always, something's going to always happen when you travel. That's what I tell people. I'm like, I can't promise you nothing's going to go wrong. I can promise you we're going to fix it when it does, you know? Yeah. 
and um, because that that's travel. It's, yeah. That's the yeah, the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. I just had a very simple uh, last week, a very simple trip from actually this week for a very simple trip from from Brussels, where I live, to Hanover in Germany, which is a direct flight hour, one hour direct flight. And it turned out that the the airline operating it went bankrupt, <laughs> so there was no flight. So I mean that this this very simple one hour trip took me actually six hours to complete in the end. Yeah. So I mean, Murphy is yeah. always there. Monica, you you say uh, you you keep uh, speaking in plural. Um, is this something you do with um, like a group of people within your organization? Oh, so um, did you ever watch that show House, uh, where the doctor? Uh, yeah. The doctor would have a problem, and then to solve it, he got his whole team together, and they would brainstorm. Right. Yes. That that's kind of like how we do it, because. Okay. Every single person in our our company has a different role mm -hmm. and a different specialty. So um, we get together and brainstorm and um, and feed off of each other's knowledge. And then, um, like for example, uh, we have one lady that books all our airfare. I've never in 21 years been on Saber. I don't know those codes to book an air uh, a plane ticket. It's and, like and just for just for the audience, Monica Saber is the reservation system for American Airlines, correct? It's for all the airlines in the world, and it's okay. very antiquated. And you have to go on and put all these codes in, right. and you got to do. There's all these rules, and um, that's just not something that I've wanted to spend my time doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have one person who is in charge of the all the airfare in the company, okay. and she gets us contracts and she she knows all the codes and anything that's air air airfare related uh -huh. her, she's she's touched it no one even knows her name um you know unless you go on our website and you see our about us page but she's there and she's touched everyone's airfare mm -hmm. so yeah it's very much of a team of of people who uh when the salesperson designs an itinerary and the client says okay i want to buy it and we book everything mm -hmm. Then there's an operations manager that looks over to make sure no mistakes have been made. Okay. Um, because we're we're trying to catch anything that a human can do uh, before it happens, so that the, so that anything that comes up is something we never we could not have foreseen. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes good sense. And um, it, it, do you cater to a particular nationality? I mean, would your 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 um, clients would they be predominantly United States American? We have, I'd say, probably 70% American, uh -huh. um, but we do have clients from all over the world. We have a lot of clients in Hong Kong and Singapore mm -hmm. and um, in Europe. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, it, be, with the invent of the Internet, we were able to reach you know people all over the world. Yeah, yeah that makes and, good sense. And we, um, we work mostly with referrals and repeat clients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we prefer to to really focus on the the people we have at hand because we're we're very busy with that. Mm. Okay, makes sense as well. Um, do you do you join them on every trip? I mean, you as, does does Monica join the group that you? How big is a group then? And do you always join? I I rarely join. Okay. Um, most gr groups are two to four people. Mm -hmm. uh, we do singles too, um, and we do big groups. Um, I have a, a group of 20 guys going to Patagonia um, in October. Where's, where's that uh, for the audience? 
Patagonia is the southern tip of the South America, and it it encompasses two countries: um, the southern tip of Chile and the southern tip of Argentina. Mm. Okay, and and, and 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 what are you going to do there? It's going to be are, it's summer there out. No, no, it's uh, yeah, it's summer. So when they go in October, it's going to be late spring, mm -hmm. and um, they're going to Torres del Paine. Uh, it's a, um, a beautiful park with these amazing mountains. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a wonderful place who, for people who want either high adventure or soft adventure. Mm -hmm. And they want to have, um, you know, nice, uh, comfortable accommodations to come home to, um, beautiful wines and dinners when they're done with their adventure. So they may be out 10 hours a day hiking but then they're going to come back to a very elegant meal, right. um, you know, really nice sheets, a comfortable bed, great pillows, you know, um, a spa if they want to go get a massage. They have all of that. But in the day, they're pushing themselves to their physical right. limit. So it's like, um, it's like a five-star five, five star hardship experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then for the guys who um, are not up for the 10-hour hike, they can do three-hour hikes. Um, but, but I think that, uh, it's, it's definitely starts at soft adventure in Torres Alpine. Okay. And then they're going to go over to the Argentina side and do some, um, hiking in the glaciers. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to the, uh, Fitzroy area and they're going to go up the, uh, to get a really great view of the uh, Fitzroy mountains, the little jutting, um, mountaintops. Mm-hmm. So, and on your um, on your site, you describe yourself, your company, you, you and your company, in terms of Yampu Tours, that you you will deliver or you will promise like authentic experiences. When when is something authentic? I mean, define what you would consider being authentic. Then, wow, that's a great question. Um, so. I want to put people in the place where maybe their authentic experience is something that I didn't even imagine, you know? Yeah. Um, for example, you know, you could be in a place and, um, you know, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, and you could just meet someone um, that is from the country uh, that you, you know, you visit their, you know, you visit their family, mm -hmm. you know, like in Bali. Um, we'd go to the guide's house for breakfast, you know, mm -hmm. and we meet his family and um, we sit on the floor and have the Balinese and pastries and we're out in a garden and, um, you know, and that that is a very authentic experience because um, it's not you don't have a bus of tourists outside, you know, and you're getting to know real people. Also in Bali on that same trip, um, as we were touring around. Um, we came across this little village and there were people <clears throat> making um, everything that you have to make for a festival. Mm -hmm. So it's it was not something, you know, it's not like we planned to go to the festival and we, you know, got our whole dates around this festival. But just as we were going through town, you know, um, there's like groups of women and then groups of men and they're carving and painting mm -hmm. and sewing and getting all the little things you need to get together for a big festival. Um, so that's something that I felt was very authentic because it wasn't planned. Now, 
be me being a travel planner do yeah. i do plan to get people in places you know like the right market or um you know i do have them visit some communities in the andes or you know maybe it's an an experience with some animals um so i do put them in planned places but i like it to be very small and very personalized right <clears throat> Now this is something that, uh, and maybe it's 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 the wrong country that I'm going to mention. Suppose I wanted to go to Guatemala. It's my favorite Central American country. Um, what what would you? How would my authentic experience look like? Can you do this off the cuff? If you can't, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. I understand. This yeah, be- Guatemala is. You're right. Guatemala is is one of the greatest Central American countries, uh-huh. um, and I love Guatemala. And I. I, I feel so close to what everything they've been going through, you know. And um, so just the Chichicastenanga market, uh-huh. um, just walking through that market and going up to the the church there, Catholic church, and on the steps of the Catholic church, you have, um, uh, I don't know if it's called shamanism or bruja, but you have these ladies and doing something on the stones and the smoke is going up. And um, it's it's because in, in Guatemala, um, they they mix like Catholic uh, Catholicism with mm-hmm. like witchcraft. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and they're and they're very they do both, you know. Um, and so you'll see that. And it's not like for tourists, you know, it's like right there. It, all you have to do is walk by and you'll see. And it's very, very interesting. Um, and then um, there's this other little guy. Oh, what is his name? <laughs> he is. Um, Are you talking about story, a statue or a real person here? He, his name is Maximilian. Oh. I, I'm gonna have to go Google what his name is, um, but it's like a god. It's like their god. Okay. And he's got a crazy story. He um, apparently was um, he was like a womanizer, mm-hmm. and he um, was stealing everybody's wives. And I believe that they cut his legs off, and um, you know, as a punishment for for being this womanizer, but he, he was terrible. Every vice you could do, he did it, <laughs> and um, so he's a god now. And it's it is like a like a little statue or a doll and mm-hmm. with no legs, and he smokes and drinks and womanizes. And every year, um, in this small town around Lake Atitlan, um, they move him to a different house, and you can go visit. And so we went to visit and, or I, I think I was alone. I was alone with the guide Yeah. and I went to visit and, um, you go in. So we had to walk through the mud and, uh, down this little, like uh, a little alleyway. Um, and then we went into this tiny little house and they had Christmas lights everywhere and smoke. Um, and they let you in and there were, um, people who were praying and even tears were coming to their eyes and they bring this guy cigarettes and money 
and basically all the vices. And then they they tell the guy the problems and the what they want to accomplish mm-hmm. or what they need um, for this year, and they they pray to it. Um, and so it was a very unique experience, and I really wasn't expecting <laughs> it. And I I did take videos, but I've been very um, shy to put it out there in the public in the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think I shared it on the internet anywhere because mm-hmm. um, it was a very personal moment um, for these families that were there. Um, okay. And uh, but so yes, of course, Guatemala is great. Um, the people in Guatemala are, are are very nice and they're very happy to have um, tourists there. Yeah. And um, you know, so I I love Guatemala. The colors and the people and um, the volcanoes and the landscape oh, yeah. and the towns. You know, the 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 beautiful Antigua. Um, so yeah. I yeah, that's nice indeed. Them. I mean, I was just curious. I mean, off the cuff, it, it, it's quite impressive that you, what you can come up with. I was there um, l- uh, last year, December 2018, the whole month of December, and indeed, I think I saw your your uh, your hero gangster type because that's what he looks like. I think he looks a, a, a bit like a like a Latino cowboy. The, does that make sense? Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> yeah. the same person. Yeah, I've seen him yeah. as a doll being displayed in, um, like a real life size doll, being uh, being displaced, uh, uh, displayed in. I think I saw him in in Antigua. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, that's he. So he's he's a thing there. Um. Yeah. But it's it's interesting. I when I was younger, before I ever traveled, I started reading South American novels. Uh huh. And um, Allende. Um, used to write, she wrote the book, um, House of Spirits. Mm-hmm. She, that's a really great book for learning about how, um, some Latin Americans kind of combine the witchcraft with, um, Catholicism. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good idea. Good suggestion as well. Is there, and it sounds, I mean, we've been talking predominantly, you've mentioned Bali, Indonesia as well, but we've, Talking, we've been talking primarily, predominantly, my goodness, um, about South America. Is that your favorite destination? Do you have the favorite des- destination? Um, I have lists. I, you know, I, um, Peru is the first country we started our company with, and yeah. my husband being Peruvian, my family being Peruvian, um, of course, and I, and there's so much to see in Peru. So, um, that's, that's something that I, I really resonate the most with. Um, and then South America, we've been selling the longest. Um, but I also right. yeah. really connect with Africa, mm-hmm. um, Kenya, Zambia, Tanzania, um, you know, Botswana. Um, some of my, my favorite memories are from there. Mm-hmm. And then um, Asia, uh, India, Europe. Um, I, I love all of those places. <laughs> uh, I just got back from Morocco and okay. I cannot stop thinking about it. Um, I, you know, I, I had so much fun. I felt so healthy when I came back. Um, I felt like we were drinking less. Right. It's not really a drinking country. The orange juice was the best orange juice. I've, I'm, I'm now addicted to orange juice. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was just the best in the world. Um, very sweet. Not, you know how orange juice can have a little bit of a bitter, sour, yeah. Yeah. bitter. No, very, very sweet. Just it went down like water. Um, so yeah. Um, 
South America was my um, original baby with Yampu. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, God, there's experiences all over the world. Yeah. There's something for yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's a, it's a travel bug. And once you're infected, it's hard to get rid of, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the, I guess the one thing I would say to people is don't try to go to a continent and get the whole continent in in one trip. In other words, you know? don't be the stereotypical uh, American. Um, or am I, am I being too rude here? Yeah, that's not really right. <laughs> Americans, no. I don't. For my American clients, they're doing that. They're doing just one or maybe two countries at a right. time. Um, there are certain people that usually happens more in big group tours where they want to hit Rio and Ar- and uh, Buenos Aires and you know Machu Picchu like all in one trip. Um, but you know, for the most part, especially now when people are traveling more than they did 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I think when we first started the business, we did a lot of those six countries in one trip. Yeah. But now people are going one country at a time or two countries at a time and just really spending their time. Americans, the one thing that Americans don't have is as much vacation time that's as true. Europeans. Yes. So that that's that's not their fault you know um so we're doing a lot of you know thursday to the following monday getting 11 days in on one trip Mm. you know um but if you can really like you spending a month in guatemala i think is fabulous yeah 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 yeah. my apologies for that bad remark it came from from indeed the old (laughs) the old days where there was there was this joke like uh one american would say to the other american you know um so today is tuesday so this must be paris when they would <laughs> they would city hop around europe and just you know by the only by the day knowing in which that which destinations or, or place they were actually so but it's it's good to hear that things are changing or things have changed already and that indeed the focus is much more on on the on the experience and and maybe a couple of destinations rather than a whole a, a ton of them yeah yeah. Um, Monica, we've been talking now for a, a little, oh, I'm looking at the clock here, 36 minutes. So I'd, I'd like to segue towards the end of, um, of this, of this talk, because I think if we've only covered South America, I think in half an hour, we could talk for hours about Africa. Like you said, oh, a yeah. favorite continent of mine as well. So, um, but maybe for another time. So with this question, um, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Yes. Um, number one, uh-huh. uh, when you go to a, another country, um, do a little research on their their practices, mm-hmm. uh, their also um, their manners and their their values. Like uh, like in certain countries in Asia, um, show you know putting your feet up to, would be really really rude. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, so. You know, uh, I think there's countries in Africa where if you cross the street and you're on your phone, you could be arrested. Right. Um, so do your research before you go and try to. Uh, so th- then the second thing is, is that after you've done your research, um, you know, try to be respectful of of the what you found out through your research. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Morocco. Um, I was very careful to not be too um, too much skin showing, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so I always had a scarf over my because I get hot. I'm in my fifties, you know. Mm. So <laughs> I always had a scarf over my arms, 
you know, and uh, I wore a lot um, really light, long pants or long skirts. Yeah. Um, that 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 keep me cool, but still I'm covered up and being respectful. Yeah. Um. So so once you've done your research, you know, then then change your your travel style a little bit to fit in a little bit better. Yeah. And then um, the third thing is just talk to people, get to know them, you know, um, because. I really think that that's why people who travel are, um, I think they're the most peaceful people in the world. They they have less um, biases. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, um, you know, they're 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 just more loving uh, to the people of the world, and not just their own little tiny group. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, it brought onto your mind. I mean, it's it's something that 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 you can't. They can never take away from you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Once you've traveled, you know, to different countries and every country I've been, I've found people that I, I love, love or or that um, just really made me smile, <laughs> uh, you know, um, that made me feel welcome, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and every different culture, you know, I've I've found that. And I've, I also love to study our similarities. Mm-hmm. Uh, because and also different religion similarities. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, I'm actually uh, a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that organized religion is not uh, in style these days, um, but I actually love studying people's religions, mm-hmm. and I love how how um, closely all the religions are. We're basically um, just different people um, who grew up in different places, but but most of us all have the same values. Yeah. You know, very similar. Yeah, yeah it could be, you know, a Muslim, Hindu, Christian, Jewish. They're all, you know, you know, give back to your neighbor. You know, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all connected. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. In the end, we're all human. That's true, very much. Monica, if um, thank you for your excellent tips. I think they're um, uh, they make really good sense as well. They will be in the show notes as well as ways to get in touch with you. Because if people want to know more about you or what you do or your company, uh, how can people get in touch with you? You can uh, Google Yampu. Um, our contact information is there. I'm uh, Monica at Yampu.com. Uh-huh. Um, and we are 888-926-7801 if you want to pick up the old-fashioned phone and call us. Okay, I've got that down. It'll be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking the time um, out of your LA f- <clears throat> excuse me, Friday morning, and um, I'm pretty sure we'll talk to each other in the future. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Matters Podcast, episode number 120 with Monica Irauski. If you haven't subscribed, this is a good moment to do so in iTunes. You can also leave a a review there. Five stars would be the most preferred um, amount of rating, of course. All right. The music that you hear in the background is from Bensound. Check it out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.